0: Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Well, this morning, family, we're going to continue in our uh, What Do I Believe series and I know there's so many things that we can be talking about right now in this day and age. There's so many things that are, we're feeling within us and in our minds, and we can talk about a number of different things. But I really believe, as I said last week, this is a time where we need to really know what we believe. Uh, there's so many things that can shake our faith and pull us away from Jesus. And this is the time for us to, to really sink down and just dig deep into the word and, and, and really believe what we believe. And so last week, we talked about prayer. This week, we're going to look at humanity and sin. So if you've got a Bible, meet me in Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 through 28. I got two verses for you this morning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. Hear now the reading of God's word. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Very words of God. Amen. Today, I want to preach again on humanity and sin. The title of our time is Broken Image Bearers Restored. Broken Image Bearers Restored. Let's pray. Father, I just pray one thing right now, God. It's my prayer every week, is that you would hide me behind your cross so that it wouldn't be me that people see, but it would be you, high and lifted up. Let me decrease, as John said, God, so that you may increase. Father, have your way and let your word fall afresh on your people. In Christ's name, we all say, Amen. Amen. Family, this topic on humanity and sin is a topic that many of us have questions about. It's a topic that throughout history, theologians have debated over. They discussed, they have disagreed on the intangible elements of it, as well as the deep theological elements of humanity and sin. This has caused many questions. Now this is a tough doctrine to talk about. It's a hard doctrine to talk about. Talk about even today. But it's very important in every one of our lives. The reason being is that When we have this basic understanding of being an image bearer created in God's image, but yet also being in sin, having sin in our nature, it can help ease or give understanding to all the different problems and the things that we're experiencing in and around our lives. So with that, I got three points with y'all and I'm going to get out your way. I got number one, humans are image bearers of God. Number two, sin has distorted and marred God's image. And number three, God is restoring that image. Again, I got three points. Number one, humans are image bearers of God. Number two, sin has distorted and marred God's image. And number three, God is restoring that image. Now, when you're looking at this passage in Genesis chapter one, it says we, that means male and female, male and female created by God. We were created in his image. Hear me. Man was created to give God honor and to give him glory. We were created to give him praise, to sing hymns to him, to to lift his name high. But now I know you're probably saying, "Okay, that's great and all we know that. That's why we're in church. But why is that actually important? Hear me, because if one does not understand how and why we're created, then life can and will seem empty and meaningless. We were created in God's image where Henry, an image is just a smaller depiction of the real thing. It's not the real thing. Let me say it again. An image is just a smaller depiction of the real thing. Isaiah 43, seven says these words. Look at these words with me. It says everyone who is called by my name who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. God created men and women, not because he needed us. God didn't need us. I told you about this when we talked about the Trinity. God had everything he needed in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God, three persons in one. He has everything he needs in that community. No, no, God created us to give him glory and to be a representation of him in the world. And one of the ways, hear me, that you can give God glory, don't miss this. One of the ways we give God glory is by enjoying him forever. David writes about this in Psalm 16. I love it. He says this. He says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Don't miss those words. Fullness of joy is found in knowing God and delighting in him forever. He doesn't say delight in your job. And I'm reading it. David doesn't say that. He doesn't say in your significant other or anywhere else. David says fullness of joy is found where? In God's presence. Hear me. When we delight fully in God, we give him glory. But see, therein lies the problem because most of the time we don't delight fully in God. If we're honest, we we don't give God the glory that he deserves. We struggle with that. God, God is just our Sunday God. He's he's the guy we dress up real nice on Sunday and we we're going to make sure we're on, on time to church. Some of y'all weren't on time tonight uh, uh, on this online platform, but it's all good. I can't see you. I'm just praying that you're with me right now. We, we, he's our Sunday God. He, he's the God in hard times. He, he's the God we tend to delight in when we need to. Or whatever. Ha- what happens is we we tend to delight and find our satisfaction and fulfillment in other things outside of God. We run to other spots. It's not God. We we tend to not give him the glory. I mean, be honest. When when crisis hits, God's not always the one we we run to immediately. No, no, no. He's not the one we always run to and, and, and say, God, I need you in this time. No, no, no. What tends to happen is we run to a place we know we can get that temporary satisfaction. We run to that place where we know we're going to get some type of fulfillment. And, y'all, it's not funny, but I was reading this in an article just talking about this whole temporary fulfillment and satisfaction. I was reading the Chicago Tribune where it was talking about uh, Illinois shutting down. And they were talking about some of the stores and the businesses that still are open. And it's not funny, but they said this in an article talking about parents with their children. And it said the, the order even allows liquor stores and recreational cannabis dispensaries to remain open for business. Should the second week, listen to this, of impromptu homeschooling create an essential need? What? So if you can't handle your kids, then you need to get drunk or become a weed head. Come on now. Now, now, hear me. Whether this is a joke or not, that's real life for many people. That's real life. Things get overwhelming and it's not God who we turn to. We turn to something else. So in bad times, we tend to not glorify God with our lives. We turn other places. But here's the truth. It's not always in bad times that we don't glorify God. We tend to turn from him in good times also. Let us win something or let us achieve something or get this accolade and we put it on our shelves. I mean, we don't really give God glory in the midst of that. Unless it's an interview like one of these NBA players and we're like, oh, to, to give God first. He is the head of my life. I, I, I give Jesus all praise and glory. That's good and all. And maybe you really do believe in Jesus and you mean exactly what you're saying there. But, but it's rare that we give God glory when we do something, when something good happens. Now, no. what really tends to happen many times, even if we're saying these words out of our mouth and our heart, we're like, man, I did that. My little son, DJ, runs around. And his favorite thing to say right now is, daddy, I did that. I did that. And what's happening is it's puffing us up in our confidence. And we're like, yeah, I did that. And in reality, here's the reality. If God hadn't given us breath in our lungs, we wouldn't have been able to accomplish anything. You no, know, no, no. Scripture tells us, the Bible says, "Hear me, all things were created to give God glory." Psalm 19:1, I, I love it. It says, "The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaim above proclaims His, his handiwork." Y'all, it's His handiwork. It's not ours. We didn't make it. He made it. Now, this is important to note because not only are humans to give God glory, but all creation points to a creator and gives him glory. Not just us. Creation points to him and gives him glory. But hear me, the difference between creation giving God glory and us giving him glory, what makes us distinct and unique, if you haven't caught it by now in our scripture, is that God made us in his image. Not creation, he made us humans in his image. We, all of us, with our differences, our races, our our genders, and our backgrounds are made to be like him. We are image bearers, which, hear me, is important because many of us don't get this. We miss this, and we run around in an identity crisis because we're struggling trying to figure out who we are. We're trying to find fulfillment here and we're trying to find some satisfaction here. We're trying to figure out who we are. And it ends up with us in this space where we're all confused and we're having this identity crisis when we're trying to find ourselves in all these other places instead of running to God who made us and saying, who am I? Friends, the more hear me, the more we learn and know about God, the more we learn about ourselves. The more we get to know The image we were created in, the more we learn about who we are. Wayne Grudem says it this way, a theologian, he writes it this way, speaking to this idea. He says, for example, we are moral creatures. Look at these words. Created with an innate sense of right and wrong. This is a reflection of God's perfect sense of right and wrong. Follow this. In addition, we're not merely physical creatures. We are also spiritual creatures which means we are somewhat like God who is spirit. Our spirit is a reflection of God's nature and allows us to relate to him personally. To take another example, he goes on to say our ability to think about and process information is a reflection of God's knowledge. And our ability to relate to others as well as our desire for community is a a reflection of God's perfect community within the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have forever related to each other perfectly. I hope you're not missing what he's saying. Again, the more we learn and know about God, the more we learn and know about ourselves. We were made in his image, not our own, which means You may look like your mama. You may look like your daddy. Your face may be shaped like your parents. You may be the same skin color. Your nose might look like them. You may even be the same height. But hear me, you were made in the image of God. And the good news about that is, hear me, this means that you don't have to live to please anybody else but God. He's satisfied with you. And that's the good news about it is that I don't even really have to please him. He's already satisfied and accepted me because of Jesus's work on the cross. I don't have to live to please anybody else, but... God, Not my boss, not my spouse, not my kids, not my friends, nobody but God. And the good news is, don't miss this, is that when you live your life to please God and you don't live it to please other people, do not miss this. When you're living for God's glory, what happens is that now those people that you would have lived to please them, now you're actually giving them something better and a better blessing because instead of them seeing you pleasing them, they're seeing the image of God through you. Y'all just missed that. Ooh, that's good news. We don't have to live to please anybody else. We live to please God. Let me take it a step further because I don't want y'all to miss this, even in this passage today, because most of us, we don't get this when we read this. One of the reasons we get married and one of the reasons we have children as Christians is because we now get to reproduce and make more image bearers of God who will populate and take care of the earth. This is why God in this passage, he he gives them the command. He says, go be fruitful and multiply. It's not just to have kids. It's not just to have a great family and that white picket fence that you've always dreamed about. But instead, it's for us to bring more folks into the world that will go out and live for God's glory and not our own. It's to be a representation of him in this world. Family, all of us, believer or not. We were created as image bearers to bring glory to God and represent him. But hear me. You can't and you will not represent someone who you do not know or believe in. You got to know him to represent him. Which brings me to the second point. Because I know someone's listening and you're saying and you're asking, well, why ought to bring glory to god why why can't he just help me right now why why do i have to bring glory to him well here's the truth i need you to hear this if sin had not entered the world It had not come into the world. Adam and Eve had not eaten from the tree that God told them not to. If sin had not entered the world and we stayed in the way we were originally created, where we were perfect without blemish, there was no sin in us. Hear me. Follow me. Then we would have inherently, unintentionally brought glory to God. So there would have been no, we wouldn't have had to live for God's glory. We would have already been doing it, just being who we are. So don't miss that. Because sin enters the world, now we have to intentionally live for God's glory. God created us to glorify him. We were already perfect in glorifying him the way he created us originally. But because of sin, we've distorted, we've marred that image of God, which now further distorts our ability to now live for him. As image bearers family, the world in which I need you to mi- don't miss this. The, the world that we live in today, the, the mess that we're living in, whether that be with the coronavirus, COVID-19, the things that we're suffering from, the problems revolving around us, murder, corruption, pain. y'all. This world is not the world that God created for us to live in. No, no, no. This is not the world that he wanted his image bearers to dwell in. No, this is not his desire. This is not what he wanted. A a pastor once told me, he said, look, if you take the Bible and you take the first two chapters of Genesis and you pinch those two chapters and then you go to the back in Revelations and you take the last two chapters of Revelation and you pinch those two chapters of the Bible. So you got four chapters pinched. When you pinch those two, those four chapters, he said, look, if you read them, that's how God wanted us to live. In perfect peace and in harmony with God, with no sin, with no problems, with no pain, no suffering, no COVID-19, none of that, just peace with God. But all those pages in between, all of those pages in between, you know what that is? That's God running after us. That's him continually coming after us, trying to get us back to live in right relationship with him. We're still in that. Revelation haven't hasn't happened yet. We're still in a space where God wants us to be with him. Y'all, this was his desire to live in perfect peace and harmony with him, not where we are today. But I know with some of that, some of y'all still asking, you're still stuck on it. But what is sin? Why is there sin in this world? What is it? Let me give you a definition. Look at this sin. Is any action or attitude that is contrary to God's moral law. Sin is any action or attitude that is contrary contrary to God's moral law. Now, it's important that you hear me when I say any action or attitude. I wish you were here, I'd make you repeat it action or attitude. We got to notice that because many times, especially with Christians, we get so caught up in the do's and don'ts of life. I can't do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be involved with this wrongdoing. The things that we do with our hands that we miss the holistic understanding or definition of what is sin. The Bible lets us know that God is not only paying attention to our actions, but he's really paying attention to our hearts. He's paying attention to our attitudes. In fact, this is why if you read the Ten Commandments, there, there's many different commandments in there. But if you read the different commandments, there's ones that say thou shall not murder. That's dealing with our action. But then you read on, it says thou shall not covet. That's not an action. That's not something you do. That's an attitude. You see, you follow me with this? It, sin is in our actions and it's in our nature. It's in our attitude. This is what I'm getting at. It lets us know that sin is in our nature and it's not something we just simply choose to do. It's not, I just woke up today and I just, I don't want to obey God. No, no, it's in our nature. But hear me because this is where the problem lies with us being image bearers because God has no sin in him. God has no sin in his action or his nature. He is perfect, which is the opposite of us, where no matter how much God wants to be in relationship with us, there is this chasm or divide that is created between his nature and our nature, his holy nature and our sinful nature. There is this divide. Let me me try to make it plain because I don't want you all to miss what I'm saying here. Remember when your parents used to say, beware of the company you keep. Y'all remember that? They used to say, watch out who you hang with. And the reason they're saying that is because if you keep hanging out with the wrong company, you start to tend to take on the traits that they they do, the things that they do, or people start lumping you into the same category as all those people that you're hanging with. And see, most of us, family, we, 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 we remember this and we take heed to this advice naturally. We don't hang with people that we deem to be a bad influence or we don't agree with what they're doing, or their actions or their nature. We may say that's immoral. And and I'm not talking about the Christian here that's like, oh, well, the the Bible says this and you're not living Christ-like, so I can't hang out with you. That's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about everybody, all of us. We tend to disassociate ourselves with other people that we look when we look at their activity and we look at their nature and we say, well, that's that's not right. That's immoral. We're not going to hang with you. If you're not a drinker, you don't hang with drunkards. If you're not a person who steals, then you're not going to hang with thieves. You see where I'm going with this? But here's the difference with God. God is not just being cautious of the company that he's keeping. He literally has no other nature in him other than being holy. His activity is holy. There is nothing in him that is not holy. So therefore, hear me, he cannot stand sin. He doesn't just stay away from it. I can't stand it. It's not in him. He is just and holy, which means, don't miss this, we cannot blame God for sin in this world. We can't blame God for sin in our nature. It's not in his nature. It's in our nature. God can't even be tempted by sin. Uh, James 1.13 says this. It says, For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Follow me. This is important because we got to watch out if our hearts start to, to slip away to a place of belief and saying, God is behind my sin. God is behind my trouble. He's behind all my problems because he's not. Because to associate God with our troubles, with our problems, with our sin makes him unworthy of praise and glory. It takes away from him actually being God. And then if we took a realistic look at all of our troubles and then we took a cursory reading of the Bible, and we flipped through the pages of the Bible and we started examining the character of God and all those things that we blame on him. Once we look at the Bible, we would say, man, this is that blame is unwarranted. It's not God's fault. But I know someone's not believing me. Hear me. Hear me, I'm going to do a little exercise juxtaposing what we feel versus the Bible. Look, God God isn't causing you to desire to take that third or fourth drink when you know you've had enough. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5.18, it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Uh, Maybe that's not one for you. God isn't causing you to desire. I know this is tough to stay at your significant other's house. When you know you're not married, sleeping around, hey, wait, hear me. I know, I know, God gave, you got these, these strong passions. Why would he allow me to have this if I can't sleep? Hear me. The Bible says in Hebrews thirteen four that the marriage bed is to be undefiled. That, that means without taint. Hear, hear me. Family, sin and Satan, I don't miss this. Together, they can be crafty. And not only affect our actions, but our thoughts and the way we feel. That's why week in and week out, I urge you at Renewal to continually to soak up the word of God. Fall in love with the scripture so you're able to rightly discern his leading in your life. Because our feelings and what we think, they chain like the wind, change like the wind and the waves. And many times they lead us away from God's desire for our life and his design for our life. Let me say that again, y'all. Our feelings and what we think many times because of sin can lead us away from God's desire for our lives and our design. His desire is for us to be holy and at peace with him, which begs the question, well, why would God allow sin or mess to come into this world? Right. Why would God, if he's sovereign, if he's not the cause of it, why would he allow it to come in? Why would a sovereign God allow humans to fall? Why would he allow COVID-19 and all these things to roam my earth? Why would he allow murder and corruption and all this mess into our world? Now, hear me, we could go down different trails and I can give you all different types of answers like, well, God, he's just wanting us to see our sin. He's wanting us to see our mess or God just allows these things to happen so that we can see our need for him. I can give you all these different answers and we can we can back them up with scripture because many of them are true. But hear me, even with all of that, to give you answers to all of that, there is still going to be this inkling that continually comes in your mind asking the question, why? There's still this inkling of mystery. Why? And hear me, it's okay to have questions. It's okay to not know the exact reason why God has done some of the things that he's done. It's okay to not know the answer to why God would allow Adam and Eve to sin in the garden. It's okay to know that. And hear me, family, with a sovereign God, a sovereign God, Who has created us? He's sovereign. He's God almighty. But yet we're his created beings. Y'all hear me. There should be some amount of mystery that exists in there. In in, in fact, I believe there will be many things that we will not know the answer about until we meet God face to face in heaven. And then, y'all, guess what? There's still going to be many things that we won't know the answer to when we meet God face to face because he's God and we're his created beings. There still will be mystery. But, but I know, I know, I know, I know. Someone's saying, but where did, where did sin come from? Where did it come from? And I can't tell you. But what I can tell you is that sin existed in Satan and his demons before Adam and Eve fell in the garden. This is why this is important right here. When that serpent started slithering around in the garden, Adam and Eve, they didn't have any sin. They were perfect at that time. That serpent had sin in them. He starts tempting, tempting Adam and Eve. And when Eve takes that fruit and gives it to her husband, when they eat from the tree, that's when sin entered their nature. That's when the tide turned for us as humans. Romans 5, 12, it tells us, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Friends, because of Adam's sin. Sin followed in this continuous multiplication of man. Thus, we all have sin because of one man's sin. And as I've said it before, it's not just that we choose to do wrong in our actions or we willingly just want to go against God. No, no. It's in our nature. It's like when people re- refer to things like or they say, well, that 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 that's a generational curse or that came from a mama or my daddy that was passed down through generation. And we can actually biologically prove some of those things to be true. You get some traits and bad habits from your parents. And just like we can prove that y'all sin is just like a bad generational curse in a lot of ways. It's continually, continually been passed down from generation to generation inherently in man in our nature, all the way back to Adam because of what he did. Now David writes about this in Psalm 51.5. He says, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Hear me. David doesn't just say he chose to sin. He doesn't say I just started to do wrong and I'm going to keep down this path. I just want to sleep with Bathsheba. That's just in me. No, no, no. He says I was brought forth in iniquity. I didn't have a choice in this matter. My mother was in sin, it was in her nature, and it's in my nature too. I've been conceived with sin. See, I need you to hear me because someone is listening right now and you're watching and, and, and you've been battling with some struggle. You've been going through something and you've been trying everything to get out of it. You've been trying to relieve yourself and, and run from this sin, but you keep running back to the same battle over and over again. It keeps getting you down. You're like a roller coaster going up and down all over the place because you keep coming back to the sin. Can I help free you? Family, that sin. Is not something that you are able to get yourself out of by yourself. Sin is in our nature. You didn't put it there and you can't get it out, not by yourself. I don't care how strong we think we are, how good we are as people, or good at something, y'all, we can't get rid of it by ourselves. Thank you for Jesus. Ephesians 6 tells us that that we as Christians we're fighting a battle that's not against flesh and blood, but it's against power and principalities things that are spiritual and beyond our control hear me family. Just because sin is innate in us, family, it's in us, it's in our being, it's in our nature. Just because it's innate in us and it's beyond our control, that doesn't mean that we got to keep on living in it and we keep on sinning and we keep doing this and that. And it doesn't mean, hear me, don't miss this, that we're just bad people. No, it doesn't. No, what it means is that even the good we do, is not good enough for God. Ooh. I know, I know. I'm all up in someone's kitchen. Even the good we do is not good enough for God. Follow me. Don't lose me now. Follow me. Keep working with me. There, there is no good in us that is pleasing to God because we have sin in us, in us which, is, which makes it impossible to please him because sin is so intertwined with our being and our works, Now, now now I know I know someone saying, well, but but I'm a good person. And family, you may be. I I, I like to think I'm a good person, too. I do good things. But, But but hear me, family. This is not a matter of us being a good person or a good human being. As a matter of fact, hear me. We were formed in the image of a good God. So there that means that there is some good in us. This is is not a question of you being a good person. This is a question of sin. It's a question of sin, which makes the reality that, 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 that our good will never be good enough because, again, we have marred. We've distorted the image of God because of our nature. Scripture tells us in 1 Kings 8, 46, for there is no one who does not sin. Hear me, sin, it affects our our intellects and the way we think, our emotions, our desires, our goals and our motives. Sin affects our whole being, totally depraved. And the hard truth that we see in Romans 6:23 is that it says the wages of sin is death. Hear me, because God, He's a just and holy God. That means that there is a just consequence. ...to our sin. And the scripture tells us that that consequence is physical death, but it's not just physical death. There's a spiritual death that occurs and and lives past our fading physical bodies that leads either to heaven or hell. Now, I know, family, that's tough. That's tough, but I promise, keep following me. I'm coming to your neighborhood. Do not lose it now. Follow me, because I know by this point, if you've been listening and I've explained sin well... I can imagine that you probably feel a bit hopeless right now. I feel it a bit in me. Whether you're Christian or not, hear me, it's not fun to hear that sin exists in my nature. And no matter how good I am or no matter how hard I work, I will never be ultimately good. That's not fun to realize. That's not fun to hear. That can be pretty deflating as a reality. If that were the end. See, Romans 26, 23, I love it. You go back to it and you read the whole verse. There's this little conjunction in it that makes me leap for joy. Look at it with me. I love it so much. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but... The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Somebody right now should have been shouting in their living room. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I, I know you're shouting. I can hear you through the screen right now. See, but this butt right here, this butt, it lets us know that we're not left hanging without any hope because we're not good enough. But it also lets us know that we don't have to bring anything to the table. Matter of fact, there's nothing we could bring to the table but belief in the fact that and in that God gives us this eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ, just because we believe. That's how much he loves us. Y'all follow this. Y'all, we brought nothing to the table but mess. In God's eyes, there was nothing He can do with our gifts or our strengths because there's sin in it. But yet He extends mercy and grace. And if we believe in His Son, Jesus' death, bearing, and resurrection, we have eternal life. That's good news. Somebody had to die to pay the wages. Of our sin debt and that person had to be holy without blemishes without any taint or sin in his life And the only one that could do that is God. So what does Jesus do? He puts on flesh He steps out of heaven He comes down here in the form of man and he dies the death that we should have died on the cross and he's buried for us Raises three days later from the grave with power in his hands and all we do have, all we have to do is believe and we have eternal life That is good news don't miss this, because someone this morning, you came here and you're listening, you're watching, and you came in with this question and you, this feeling like, God doesn't care about me. God is so mean, Why would he allow the earth to be like this? Why would he allow this world to be so messed up? Why would he allow me to continually go through this sin and this pain? Why is COVID-19 running around? God doesn't care about us. He just wants us to suffer. Someone's feeling that this morning. Or you may be struggling with that thought. And I got to tell you, it's quite the opposite. I'm not going to lie to you. I can't tell you that things are immediately going to get better on this side of heaven. I'm not going to lie to you. I can't do that. Matter of fact, Revelations, it does tell us that things will get worse. But I do believe God's going to get us through where we are right now with COVID-19. But what I can tell you is that there is a hope that we have in God through our belief in Jesus that's bigger and far better than any hope we could have in and on this earth. And that hope, family, is the hope of heaven we have through our belief in Jesus. That is the hope that we hang on to. Hear me. Although our sin has marred and distorted the image that God made us in, God is still in the business of saving folks and using them for his glory. He's not done yet. So hear me, friends. Now is not the time for us to lose our hope, look at the world and say it's, it's done. It's time to know and believe that God is still at work. He's still at work in you, he's still at work with me, and he's still at work in the world. Which means until he calls me home. Can I be honest with you? This is where I hang my hat. Until he calls me home. Because I know the hope I have in heaven. Revelations 21 tells me that there's no pain. There's no sin. There's no sorrow. There's no no suffering there. I can't wait to get to that place. But until he calls me home. I'm going to be like my brother, the Apostle Paul. And I'm going to live as Christ. Which means that I'm going to live suffering for the sake of other people. And giving my life away. Hoping that they will know Jesus just like I do. Will you join me in that? Believing. So to the person who's listening right now and you haven't believed, believe. The hope of heaven awaits you. To the person that walked in here that is a believer and is struggling right now, believe. Hold on. The hope of heaven awaits you. Believe. Friends, God is making hearts new right now and he's working in people and one day he will make all things new according to Revelations 21 verse 5. Family. When we believe now in the midst of all that's going on around us, all the madness in the world, not only does he start a work in us on through eternity, y'all hear me, but now we get to take part in helping make things new as restored image bearers. Let me see if I can make this plain. As image bearers restored and believing in Jesus We have this awesome opportunity now to take part in helping restore people back to the way God originally created us. See, the world and creation should be better because we believe. God, hear me, family. I'm going to say it again. He is not done yet. He's still working in you. He's still working in me, and he's still working in the world. Believe. Let me end with this. There's two types of people that are listening right now. Uh, and we're both struggling in our belief in different places. First person, you, you started listening this morning and you walked in and you, you you really might not even know Jesus. You don't know him as your Lord and Savior. You didn't know that We were originally created in his image, and God wants to be in relationship with us. God wants perfect peace and harmony with us. You you didn't know that that's where he wanted us to dwell and not in the midst of this madness of the world. And he's saying to you, come to me, believe. Maybe you need to place your faith in Jesus for the first time as Lord and Savior. If that's you, I, I just want you to pray with me right now. Pray this prayer. Father, I need you. I've seen my sin, not necessarily what I do, but just my nature, God, knowing that you are holy, God, and I've been off the beaten path. God, I need you in my life. Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, Romans 10, 9 tells us that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we are now saved. Welcome to the family i love to pray with you. Someone online would love to pray with you. So if you're on our online platform, click the bottom link. It talks about you can pray with somebody right now. There are people that are ready to pray with you. If you're not on that platform, go to our website and, and send us an email, Info Renewal Chicago. We want to know who you are. We want to pray with you, and we want to join in with you on this road that Jesus has us on. Secondly, there's folks that are listening right now that you're a believer, but you're, you're struggling. You're struggling with your faith. You're struggling with some type of sin, something that's got you off the path. And you're, you're so down in the dumps. And you, you're like, man, my, my sin is so, it, it, I, I don't even feel it anymore. You're starting to justify, you're rationalizing. You, you ran so far away from God. Hear me, God is saying, come back. Just believe in me. I got you. First John 1.9 says, if we confess and believe We confess our sin. He's just and righteous. Forgive us. He's saying, come to me. There's folks online that want to pray with you too right now. We'd love to pray with you. Family, hear me. God did not just make us in his image. And when we mess up, just take his hand off us and say, ah, you you messed up. I'm done with you. I don't care about creation anymore. No, he, he didn't do that. God is still near to us right now. God is He's still with us. And he's saying, "Believe, come to me and family when you do, watch him start a work in you and watch him use you for his glory. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this morning. You are an awesome God. We give you all the praise, we give you all the honor and the glory. Father, we give you ourselves. God, we understand our sin. We understand our mess. We understand the fact that we are broken image bearers, God. But we thank you that you're a God that wants to restore us and still wants to be in relationship with us. Wherever we are this morning, Lord, let us give you all of us. Let us make that place of repenting and believing, turning from our sin and turning back to belief, the place we don't leave. God, there's many things that are troubling us on a day-to-day basis, and we need you now. So, Father, we ask that you would fill us with joy, that you'd fill us with your spirit, protect and guide us and continually lead us until we meet you in heaven. In Jesus' name, we all said together, amen